sparkling, moody May. I say sparkling because today's queen deep dive is an interesting contrast of sonic atmosphere and maybe I should just say soundscape. (laughs) I always like to flower up the words I'm using, but there's an interesting contrast here between the lyrics and the sound of this song, which is incredibly unique in Queen's catalog. We're hearing this now and never again. This is one of those things that Brian wanted to do for a very long time and suddenly had the opportunity when the guys were working on A Night at the Opera. I can't wait to talk about this. This is an amazing little gem of a song, and I don't think it gets the attention it deserves. I feel like it's thrown away. I feel like it's never mentioned. I feel like people just shrug it off as this silly little number, but there's so much that went into this song. The 44th Queen Deep Dive we've been on. This is track number 10 on Queen's A Night at the Opera. And you might be surprised, it's all Dixieland jazz rock with a little bit of swing influence in here as well by Brian May. This is one of his babies, Good Company. I love this song. This is one of those Queen songs that is so innovative And when you understand what went into it, suddenly you go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So without further ado, let's get into it. We are at 183 beats per minute. (laughs) We're speeding along, but it doesn't really feel that fast. You don't realize until you read the, the specifics about this song just how it's constructed. So we're at this very quick 183 beats per minute, shuffling along in this wonderful 4-4 beat in the key of F sharp major. This is a very difficult key to play in because it has a lot of black keys on the piano. I've worked in this key. It's actually a key that I love to sing in. If you're a musician yourself or you're a vocalist, then you probably have keys that you love to work in. And oddly enough, despite the odd (laughs) structure of this key, I really enjoy working in the key of F major. F sharp major, sorry, gotta be specific. F sharp major. So for the simplicity of this song structure in the 4-4 signature, and the F-sharp major, the one key only, there's a lot going on here. In this song, all about struggling to find the work-life balance. Isn't it interesting that this song was written in the 70s, and yet it echoes the sound of much earlier jazz or swing or Dixieland music, but it's singing about something that is still entirely relevant today. How many of us are still struggling to find the work-life balance? Please raise your virtual hand. Yes, me too. So essentially this song, Brian is singing about a young man that's given thoughtful and wise advice from his father to keep good company only to work so hard, he loses touch with his longtime friends and eventually his wife to be old, and lonely. So there's a lot of sadness here. And this is a common thing for Brian. We see this a lot in his lyrics. But yeah, what's interesting is this song sounds so delightful. It's really bright and energetic, and it's all in the style and the arrangement. So if Bo Rap is Freddie's baby, good company, 
is most certainly at least one of Brian's babies, a dream fully realized that he always wanted to accomplish in the studio with genuine ukulele banjo that carries us delightfully through this gentle ode to keeping loved ones close, and it's peppered with brass and woodwinds astoundingly accomplished using the Deaky amp to manipulate Brian's guitar lines. Brian's vocal delivery has the perfect tone of nostalgia, regret, sensitivity, and at times a cheeky playfulness too, which is perfect for the vibe of the song. His expression encompasses many thoughtful emotions that contrast with that lighthearted and almost jovial jazz. This is entirely unique in Queen's catalog. And it's a rare highlight focusing, emphasizing Brian's ingenuity and creativity. But beyond that, Freddie is surprisingly absent here. Really interesting. It's one of those rare numbers where Freddie is nowhere to be heard. But it's just as well. Maybe that's a bold statement, but this song shines in its jazz arrangement and amazing use of instrumentation, including a surprisingly effective psychedelic and dreamy portion with flangers and spooky manipulations. Roger displays his versatility as a drummer with the shuffling beats and the throwback arrangements with cymbal accents and that bouncy kick and John perfectly blends his bass lines with an airy delivery. It's complete with swing-influenced harmony vibes, multiple phrases and verses with very unique arrangements and ever so slightly altered sounds like chromatic arrangements on both bass and guitar slash clarinet slash brass. The fluttering trills and the classic sounds straight out of yesteryear shine bright in this innovative number And yeah, I'm not ashamed to say that it's okay that Freddie is absent here because you know what? Come the next track, it is all about Freddie. You know where that's going. We'll talk about that later. So yes, this is one of Brian's masterpieces. I do not use that term lightly. I mean it. And this is just another one of the reasons why, in addition to the Prophets song, I gave A Night at the Opera to Brian because of his innovation as a guitarist And as a songwriter, he goes places here that most rock and roll band members would never dare to even think about going because it takes meticulous attention to detail and performance. This was never performed live. And on a rare occasion, I'm actually glad that that's the case because this would never have found a sound live. There's just no way because Brian literally created all of these sounds in this song, except for the bass and the drums, of course. Everything else you hear, oh, and the ukulele banjo, I'm sorry. Everything else you hear is done through various guitar lines. It's amazing. He did it all using the Deaky amp and all of these various manipulations of sound. When I listen to this, I'm awed. I am impressed. I am floored. This is spectacular. Brian has a lot to say about this song. I stumbled across various interviews over the years, comments and publications over the years, and I want to highlight a lot of what he said because I can't really say it any better than this. And I love it when the guys talk about their stuff themselves. It's even better when the other guys talk about compositions that someone else did. Like in this case, I would have loved to have found something from Roger or John or Freddie 
that talked about what they thought about this number when Brian came up with it. But here are some comments from the composer himself, Mr. Brian May. He said, the horn lines on Good Company were done on four kinds of guitars. I was very keen in those days on recreating that sort of atmosphere. I mainly got the sound with small amplifiers. I used John Deacon's little amplifier and a volume pedal for the trombone and trumpet sounds. I would record every note individually, do it and then drop in. Incredibly painstaking. It took ages and ages. I listened to a lot of traditional jazz music when I was young, so I tried to get the phrasing as it would be if it were played by that instrument. Brian said that in 1982. And I love that he talks about the style and getting the phrasing right. You can tell when you listen to this, he has this incredible understanding of how these instruments needed to sound to achieve this. In 83, Brian elaborated further on this song. He said, there's a guitar trumpet and a guitar clarinet and a guitar trombone and a sort of extra thing. I don't really know what it was supposed to be on the top. I spent a lot of time doing those to get the effect of the instruments. I was doing one note at a time with a pedal and building them up. So you can imagine how long it took. We experimented with the mics and various little tiny amplifiers to get just the right sound. So I actually made a study of the kind of thing that those instruments could play so it would sound like those and get the authentic flavor. It was a bit of fun, but it was a serious bit of work in that a lot of time went into it. In some of those comments, Brian also talks about the Temperance 7 this group whose arrangements of jazz he particularly loved and influenced his ideal sound for this number. And he always had a dream of doing something like this. And because they had the time and the means to imagine and expand their sound with A Night at the Opera, Brian simply went for it here. And I absolutely love that he goes in full force into the deep end, doesn't look back, completely invested in this thing. Just like all the other guys who love a sound like Freddie's obsession with vaudeville. You know, it's that same type of thing. All the guys wanted to accomplish something really unique and different and interesting at some point in Queen's career. And they did it many times over. And this is just one of those moments. It's so interesting that Freddie is completely absent here. I can't remember the last time that happened. It doesn't happen very often where one of the guys is completely absent. But Brian performs all vocals and plays a genuine George Formby, genuine aloha ukulele banjo, which is unique in that it's not just a ukulele, it's not just a banjo, it's kind of a hybrid of the two. And Brian accomplished those brass and wind sounds playing his red special guitar using the Deaky amp. I keep saying that because I simply can't believe it. It's, it's amazing to me that he would go for it full throttle using these amplifiers and manipulations of sound. I mean, this is so easy to do in this day and age. You can make something sound like anything using all the plugins we have. To do this back then, manually, one note at a time, it's amazing to me. So Brian's fondness for the ukulele in general goes way back. It's how he learned to play guitar, which is not unlike many people, I suppose. I think even Roger has talked about how he started out playing guitar probably on the ukulele. I might be wrong about that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. 
There are some bones I have to pick with people (laughs) about this song. I mentioned earlier how some people call this throwaway, that it's not anything that impresses them. Louder Sound ranked this nearly last in their A Night at the Opera tracks, writing, quote, once heard, rarely played again, though, unless it comes up unexpectedly on iPod Shuffle and you can't forward it quickly enough. (sighs) This is, it's, it's often a throwaway track that Queen fans, podcasters, casual listeners alike write off as something they could do entirely without. That makes me super sad. And I feel like it's because they don't understand what went into this. Again, not a lot of people go, oh, I'm going to read about good company and I'm going to find out just how Brian composed this. I'm going to find out what this is all about. In fact, I think casual Queen fans wouldn't even, there's no way they would know this is Queen. If you played this for someone who was simply a fan of the hits, they probably wouldn't even recognize that it's Queen. They'd have no idea because Freddie's not singing it. It's all Brian's vocals, which are fantastically done here, by the way. But again, it sounds like something much older than it is. And I love that it does because it it showcases just how great these guys were at capturing a vibe and a mood and a style that's long since passed. And they do it with incredible accuracy. I mean, I get really sad when people criticize this song. And I feel like it's unfair because they don't understand the work. But on the plus side, musicians, especially string players, and people who generally get a kick out of fancy music production, like yours truly, give this number massive praise. It's not just the final effect we hear that impresses me. It's the sheer amount of tenacity and attention to detail. Just a pinch of insanity, perhaps. Not just anyone would play these guitar effects one note at a time to achieve such a clever sound of jazzy brass and winds. This is not something that just anybody's going to go, oh, I think I think I want to do that in the studio today. This takes a lot of dedication. And that's what I love about it. Bell-like chords ring out. And before we know it, ukulele takes center stage. <laughs> ukulele. It's not an instrument one would ever associate with one of the finest rock bands ever. But here we are. Ukulele. And it's glorious, really. Brian's voice is such a welcome and relaxing thing among that gentle strumming, too. As the next phrase begins after we kick it off, Brian enters again and again with more vocal harmonies. It's immediately obvious all of the arrangements of instrumentation are something Brian long loved and wanted to tackle. His understanding, innate understanding, it sounds like, of this groove and this style are so evident. The trills, the slide trombone, that perfect manipulation with the wah-wah effects and the flanger effects to create these winds and brass through that guitar. It's astounding and oh so brilliant. Just a breath of lightness and fresh air hidden among the rock and roll drama on a night at the opera. And Freddie makes not one sound or any appearance, but the brilliance of not just Brian, Roger, and John's approach to this jazzy trip all come together into a perfectly captured piece of effervescence. It's strange, given the context of the song and the sad reflection of a life and loved ones lost in the lyrics, but the richness of the sound and ultimately the feel it creates rises above that gloom. It bounces along in throwback fashion 
effortlessly through the many phases into the gloomier psychedelic and reflective bridge, that gentle phasing and flanging that gently twists the voice and instruments into a dreamier flashback. And the lyrics there in that moment, all through the years, in the end, it appears, there was never really anyone but me. Such a sadness, a very dark piece of reflection right in the middle of this otherwise bright and exuberant song. Such a contrast. And that nostalgia and the gloom again that hangs over us. This is classic Brian. He's so good at this. It's one of the reasons I love his writing so much. The expression is so genuine and honest and real. You really get the sense that he thinks about this stuff often on a very deep personal level. It's very moody, appropriately so, until we suddenly bounce back into the swing of it, literally, with Brian imploring one last time, take care of those you call your own, 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 and keep good company. (laughs) When the Dixieland breakdown begins right after that little phrase, It's so classic and perfectly executed. And that outro with its little trill effect, it's magical, warm, inviting. It's truly the perfect flutter before the amazingness that comes after it. (gasps) Oh, we're going to talk about that in the next dive. It would be easy to dismiss this as a filler track or something generic that sounds like something entirely too old. But when you realize the amount of work and time and effort put into this, it changes your perspective. Queen and Brian, yes, proves once again just how jovial and innovative they are and how tenacious and motivated they are. Not just any rock band would attempt this with such accuracy. I wonder what the guys thought about this number when Brian presented it to them and said, I want to do this. But the precision, the motivation, the drive to knock this out note by note in some cases, measure by measure, is more than impressive. Good Company may be a unique turn in style. We're never going to get this again. But it's not unlike Freddie's vaudeville obsession or any other one of Queen's one-off recordings we've yet to discover. And there are many. And this song's one-off appearance like this in style is just one of the reasons Queen rocks doing anything and everything. Good company. It's a fantastic little tune. And honestly, when I listen to it, I listen to it all the way through. I can't help but sing along, hum along. I catch myself singing this quietly to myself sometimes while I'm doing whatever around the house, while I'm out and about shopping or whatever. I, I just, it, it gets into my head. Keep good company. It's, it's, it's almost a relaxing, comforting thing. Yes, this song about losing touch with everyone in the world and being alone is, oddly enough, something that lingers with me as this comforting blanket on kind of gloomy days because it sounds like sunshine and that's all due to Brian's genius with this arrangement. I'm gonna say it again, this song is worth so much more 
than many would tell you at first listen, because it requires that knowledge and understanding of what went into it and why. There's so much intention in Queen's work. A lot of their songs may seem very tongue-in-cheek, very silly. There's moments where you laugh out loud. But I think a lot of heart and a lot of thought went into what these guys are doing. And that's why I appreciate it and love it so much. So go check out Good Company. Listen to it multiple times. I challenge you, I dare you. Just listen to it and focus on those sounds that Brian created with his guitar and tell me he didn't perfectly capture a trombone or a clarinet because he did. He really did. Absolutely fantastic. I don't know how he does that stuff on his guitar. And we're not even done yet talking about his guitar. I have, well, technically two more songs to finish out this fabulous album, A Night at the Opera. Guys, the next one, I'm already digging into it because there's so much to cover. And I'm telling you, I think it's going to be my longest episode yet. And it's going to be my most crazy and... It's going to blow the rest out of the water. And I will, well, if you just look at a track list, you'll know why. (laughs) I've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks now since I started my podcast. This is going to be the pinnacle. At least to some people, it will be the pinnacle. I still have many songs that I actually like much more than the one I'm going to talk about next. Yes. Controversial. Yes. But in my world, it's what I love the most. So... I'm looking forward to even more Queen Deep Dives. I'm looking forward to even more chats too. I am glad to be here for you guys and I hope you're getting something fun and good out of these deep dives and the rest of the conversation as well. So keep yourselves alive, stay cool out there, stay safe, do something good for yourselves and the people around you matter most. Keep on going. That's all we can do, right? We got this.